as I mentioned earlier, today is Pentecost Sunday. Today's sermon is entitled, God's Spirit in You. The passage that's the main passage for our sermon today is from the Gospel of John, from chapter 15, verse 26, through chapter 16, verse 25. And in a minute, we will read that passage. Pentecost is a day of fulfillment. Passover is the Jewish festival celebrating God delivering his ancient people from bondage in Egypt. And on the Passover day, the night before it originally happened, they were instructed to take blood from a lamb without blemish and to rub it on the door frame, on the two sides and over the top of the door frame. And that would identify to the angel that was coming that these are God's people. These are the faithful. And, and the angel that was coming that night was the angel of death. And, it, and Egypt had been warned over and over again to let God's people go. And the Pharaoh of Egypt refused to do it. And so God had said, if you don't let him go, then I will come and kill all your firstborn. That's firstborn of human families and firstborn of all livestock would be killed by the angel of death, except that he would pass over uh, those residences and livestock marked with the blood of the lamb without blood. So they were passed over. That's what Passover means. They survived the wrath of God, which was against Pharaoh, in the Egyptians for mistreating God's beloved people. God then led them to freedom and blessing and provision in the promised land. Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the Old Testament Passover. At the Last Supper, towards the end of Jesus' life on earth, he refocused, reappropriated the Passover celebration for his followers. And so now, today, we celebrate the sacrifice of Jesus, his shed blood that covers us, his life given as a ransom to set people free from the consequences of their sins and provide forgiveness. Today is Pentecost, the 50th day after Passover. Now, males and God's ancient people were required to be at the temple in Jerusalem to participate in worship three times a year. Two of those three times were Passover, and then 50 days later for Pentecost. Now, in the days between Passover and Pentecost was the grain harvest. And so part of what they celebrated at Pentecost back then was that God had been faithful to bless their crops and that they would have food for another year. So the, the faithful gathered at the temple on Pentecost to give God the glory for providing their needs and to celebrate the harvest that he enables. Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of Pentecost as well. When Jesus returned to heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit to be present with and in and among his people, those of us who believe in Jesus by faith, by God's Spirit that's been sent by Jesus at Pentecost, we are prepared, called, and enabled to be Jesus' witness in the world. Now, 
So this, this new harvest, this spiritual harvest of those who are born again, who are forgiven of their sins by faith in Jesus Christ, that harvest is almost 2,000 years old now. And you and I are among the spiritual harvest of once lost sinners who have come to know the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation of our souls by faith in Jesus Christ. So, this harvest that Jesus started is almost 2,000 years old now. We celebrate that today. So, with all that in mind, let's read from the Gospel of John in chapter 15, beginning in verse 26. But I will send you the Advocate, the Spirit of Truth. These are the words of Jesus. He will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. And you must also testify about me because you have been with me from the beginning of my ministry. I have told you these things so that you won't abandon your faith. For you will be expelled from the synagogues. And the time is coming when those who kill you will think they are doing the holy service for God. This is because they have never known the Father or me. Yes, I'm telling you these things now so that when they happen, you will remember my warning. I didn't tell you earlier because I was going to be with you for a while longer. But now, I am going away to the one who sent me, and not one of you is asking where I am going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. There is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. The Word of the Lord from Gospel of John, chapter 15, verse 26, through chapter 16, verse 15. God's ways are above. Have you ever been going through something and asked God, what are you up to? Why? Why is this happening? What am I supposed to do? What, what do you have want me to learn in this? It appears in this passage that the disciples might have been having similar thoughts to those. Jesus perceives a time when they might even be tempted to abandon their faith. And while Jesus presents God's plan for how he will be with them in the future, they're grieving over what's changing compared to the past. Jesus is inviting them to look down the road, but the disciples with wide eyes fixed on the rearview mirror are looking back. I want to read to you from the beginning of Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 5, where it says, God's ways are as mysterious as the pathway of the wind. And so, when Jesus was telling his disciples, I'm getting ready to go, they were mystified by that. 
But God is so much more than we are. He's so much greater. I want to read you also the beginning of Isaiah chapter 43, verse 11, where the prophet says, I, yes, I am the Lord, and there is no other Savior. The prophet is speaking from God's viewpoint to us. I, yes, I am the Lord, and there is no other Savior. So this one God is Lord. He's a Savior. And if you read on in, in the following chapters in Isaiah, you'll see that he's God the Spirit too. So Father, Son, Holy Spirit in one God. Um, God is absolutely distinct from his creation. God is superior over his creation. He's outside of the creation. At the same time that he's in the creation, he is absolutely distinct from us. God knows so much that we do not. In comparison to God, we can't even calculate how much we don't know. It was apparent in the responses and, and lack of responses from the disciples when Jesus was telling them this originally. It's apparent in our life today when we go through hard times. From 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. So, once again, God's ways are above our ways. We're not capable on our own of drawing near to Him on our own in any sense of the word. But there's some good news for us today. And that good news is that God has drawn near to us. Jesus has come. Jesus has paid the penalty for our sin. Jesus brings God to us and reveals to us the relationship that God offers to us. So because of Jesus and because of the Holy Spirit having been poured out upon us, upon the church, God is with us always. And Jesus declares that God is present with us in a deeper way through his spirit, through the Holy Spirit, that even when Jesus was walking on earth with his disciples. I've heard people say before, man, I wish I was alive back then and could have walked and talked with Jesus while he was on earth. I'll take today anytime. Because we're a 2,000-year-old spiritual harvest, the power of which is still increasing on the earth. And we have the Holy Spirit within us to guide us and, and to teach us and to cleanse us and to empower us in a way that they didn't know until the Holy Spirit had come. Jesus declares that God is present with us in a deeper way through his spirit than even when Jesus was with the disciples. Jesus does know what his Father has prepared for those who love him. And Jesus knew at the time that the best thing God could do for his followers is that Jesus returned to heaven so that the Holy Spirit comes and becomes present in us and with us and among us in a way more powerful than even when Jesus himself walked the earth. The advocate. Some of the terms used for the Holy Spirit in the New Testament are comforter, encourager, and counselor. And here in the Gospel of John, John, uh, Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the Advocate. Um, so all these titles accurately express something to us in English about what was written in the original language of the New Testament. Advocate 
is termed in today's passage. It's a judicial or a legal term. An advocate is one who represents somebody in a legal proceeding, like a lawyer representing you in court before a judge. Well, the trial has already occurred, and the verdict has already been announced. From the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verses 17 and 18, God sent his Son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in Jesus in God's one and only Son. So, sounds like God's for us. And then from John 16, verse 9, that we've already read, the world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. That's what Jesus said. So there's your decision. What do, I, what do I believe about Jesus? We each have a choice to make. Do I admit that I need forgiveness? Do I believe that Jesus is a Savior who can forgive my sins? The Advocate. The Holy Spirit has come to deliver the message to the world that Jesus came to save. You don't have to be condemned. Oh, that the positive message that Jesus came to save, but you don't have to be condemned, would be the message that we take to the world around us. And from the book of Romans, chapter 5, verses 6 and verse 8, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came just the right time and died for us sinners. And then verse 8, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. So we don't earn this. We can't earn this. Romans also says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, the wages of sin is death. So by nature, when we're born and by personal choice as we live our lives, we all are separated from God by our sin. And Jesus came to buy us back, to set us free. That's what redeem or redemption means. So Jesus did that for us because we earned it? No. Because we deserve it? No. Because we don't, but because he loves us and he's for us. And then having gone back to heaven, Jesus sent an advocate to be with us, to enable us to live for him now and forever. So the Lord will provide. That's one of the Old Testament names. The Lord will provide. In English today, we know it as Jehovah Jireh. So what, what is your need today? What do you need today? Listen, the Lord will provide it. God knows before you say it. God sees ahead and prepares the way for you. You're never, ever alone. I want you to know that God has poured out His Spirit on His people. We are the church. We who believe in Jesus, God has poured His Spirit out. And so God is present in you. By faith in Jesus Christ, His Spirit, God Himself is present in you. He's present in you to reveal all truth. He's present in you to forgive your sins as you confess them to Him. He's present in you to cleanse your spirit, to make your spirit holy and pure like His. He's present in you to bring comfort to your life in the hardship. He's present in you to encourage you in the discouragement. He's present in you to counsel you, to guide you, to empower you, and to love you. 
That is who God is. God loves us. God is for us. God is with us. God is in us. Now, let's revisit some scriptures that we read at the beginning of earlier and read a little bit more. Back in Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Let's read again verse 5 and continue on through verse 8. God's ways are as mysterious as the pathway of the wind and as the manner in which a human spirit is infused into the little body of a baby while it is yet in its mother's womb. Um, that statement is holy scripture. That statement was not made originally in modern day American. That statement is not beholden to a political party. So could we just lay down our politics long enough to let the word of God speak to us on this? manner in which a human spirit is infused in the little body of the baby while it is yet its mother's womb. Going on to verse 6 of Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Keep on sowing your seed, for you never know which will grow. Perhaps it all will. It is a wonderful thing to be alive. If a person lives to be very old, let him rejoice in every day of life. But let him also remember that eternity is far longer and that everything down here is futile in comparison. Everything down here in this life is not futile, but in comparison to the importance of eternity and to the blessing of being saved or the condemnation of being apart from God because you refuse to accept Jesus, that's way more important. So how about we live for eternity? In today's passage, we're invited into a partnership shared by Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to witness, to testify to the truth, the truth that Jesus saves. So how's your witness? Are you living for eternity? Does it show? Does it draw others to faith in Jesus? And then back in Isaiah chapter 43, Let's pick up again at verse 11 and read through verse 13. This is God speaking to us through the prophet. I, yes, I am the Lord, and there is no other Savior. First, I predicted your rescue. I love that phrase. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. First, I predicted your rescue. Then I saved you. And proclaimed it to the world. No foreign God has ever done this. You are witnesses that I am the only God, says the Lord. From eternity to eternity, I am God. No one can snatch anyone out of my head. No one can undo what I have done. You know when Isaiah said this, it was approximately 900 years before Jesus was born and lived on earth. 900 years before that, God spoke through the prophet to tell us what Jesus would do. Man, there's a long arc to history. God's plan unfolds over centuries and millennia. But God has been about sending Jesus to save us from our sins and pouring the Holy Spirit out upon us to empower us and enable us to be clean and pure and holy and to know and do His will. 900 years before Jesus was born. 
in back in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We read verse 9 before. Let's read on to from verse 9 through verse 12. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. But it was to us that God revealed these things by his Spirit. For his Spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit. So we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. So, we can't even imagine how good God is. We can't even imagine the full scope of his plan. We'll never figure out God. We'll never figure out life on our own. Ah, but God has revealed all truth to us. And he's done that through his word, through the life, death, and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ. And ever since then, by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I'm not preaching on spiritual gifts today, although I believe in all of them. Everyone mentioned in the Bible, I believe, is still in operation in God's kingdom and in his church today. But I want you to know that God's spirit is in you, that you can know he's for you, that you can know he has a plan for you in this life, that you can know that life has meaning and life has value. And by faith in Jesus Christ and accepting his sacrifice for the forgiveness of your sins, you can have the fullness of the power of the Holy Spirit in you, giving you whatever gifts God wants you to have, but enabling you to be pure and holy and in victory over the power of sin and to be able to live your life in a way that brings your Father in heaven, your Savior in heaven, and the Spirit of God in heaven, glory and honor and praise. So today is a great day. Today's a great day to receive the Holy Spirit. Today's a great day to seek more from God than you've ever known in the past. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Um, we're amazed today how much you are for us. We stand in awe of your unmerited favor and your grace. And God, we know full well the Holy Spirit is powerful. Powerful in each one of us. Powerful as it binds us together with love. Powerful as it calls us as the church to worship and serve and give. You're powerful, God. And your power is in us, with us, for us, and among us. Come, Holy Spirit, give us all the gifts that you want us to have, Lord. And let us move freely in them. And cleanse us. May your Holy Spirit cleanse our spirits that in this moment and day by day that we, we become and remain pure and holy because you are holy. That we may obey your word, that we may know your will for this church and for each of our lives individually that we may know and that we can live this life with hope and we can live this life with strength because you're for us and you're in us with us. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Come again. Blow in a fresh way. 
in us and upon us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. God bless you. I love you.